It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN, a dwindling uh, round table right now. In fact, it's just me and Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi. How's it going? Uh, way over there. You know, it uh, it it feels like uh, we're you know everybody's left and they just and and we're here. So I'm not sure if we're the winners or the losers in this whole deal. I feel like I'm back in college and everybody's left the dorm. This is yes, that's right. Or it's just it's a uh, it's like when you uh, were in Western Civ and all the people showed up during the test, but you never saw them any other time. I feel like we're kind of the only ones here, right? Yeah, now. it's kind of like that. It is kind of like that. So anyway, that's okay though. We got you. We got you all kinds of news coming your way as we get ready for our midday program. And uh, let's check in with Susan first of all. Well, thanks, Scott. We've got some sunshine here, so field work will continue to pick up. Here's what's coming up on the midday from the farm team at 1219. We're going to hear from Rebel as she talks with Mariah Cup. She's a junior at Chase County High School, and she shares about her business, Moe's Mobile Coops. Then we'll step in at 1245 as Bryce will talk with Nebraska Farm Bureau asking leaders in the Congress to boost funding for the Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program. We'll hear comments coming from the Farm Bureau's president, Steve Nelson. And then 117 wraps it all up with Alex as she talks about Nebraska's on-farm research. That's what's happening on the midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you, Susan, so much. I appreciate it. I don't know if how many people watched it. I know at one point there was about 17,000 people watching the virtual uh Nebraska spring game I was I watched a little bit of it on my phone and then as I was mowing I listened to it we are so desperate for something uh sports wise that we were basically listening to Greg Sharp and Matt Davison broadcast a video game and it was a wild one as uh the whites led by Eric Crouch came back in overtime to win it 60 57 goofy stuff here's Jason more is more is coming up in sports. Well, that's the end. Let's do the beginning. Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, coming up in sports, we'll take a look at the NFL draft. That figures get a lot of attention this week. LSU quarterback Joe Burrow is still expected to go with the number one pick. Also, if you're looking for something with a sports theme to watch, you might want to go back and check out the first couple of episodes of ESPN's documentary entitled yes. The Last Dance. Of course, this focuses in on Michael Jordan and the Bulls in their final year when they went for their second three-peat back during the 1997-98 season. I had a chance to watch that last night. That was that was good stuff. Originally, ESPN planned to show this series this summer, but with a uh, lack of sports programming, they decided to move that up this spring. And also... Could the 49ers losing the Super Bowl actually help with the coronavirus outbreak in California? There are some scientists who think that since there was no parade for the 49ers out on the West Coast in February, that actually helped out with there not being an explosion of that uh, disease in California. More on that story and much more is coming up in sports. All right, thanks, Jason. We turn it over to Bob Brogan. Stocks down a little bit today. Yeah, stocks falling and trading on Wall Street as energy stocks get hammered by the latest collapse in the price of oil. Benchmark U.S. crude oil for June delivery plunged 9% to $22.75 per barrel. Dutch healthcare equipment maker Philips says orders at its unit that makes machines such as ventilators and patient monitors jumped 23% in the first quarter. And two children who were abducted into Kema were found safe 
in Kansas, a suspect is in custody. Excellent. Good to hear. That's all coming up on more. time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And a very nice weekend, and uh, that leads to what looks like it's going to be a pretty nice week, Paul. Yes, uh, finally these temperatures are going to act like they're very uh, in in the month of uh, springtime pattern instead of these little spurts of winter that we had last week. Because last Sunday we had, of course, that little bout with winter, mainly just some strong winds, and then, of course, the snow on Thursday. The days bookending those storms were very nice. I know, it's, it's really strange. But I said it was nice to say uh, a slightly above average temperatures and not be upset about the slightly part because the <laughs> average isn't too bad right now. Exactly, yeah. Low to mid-60s for the most part this time of year for central areas of Nebraska. Maybe a little bit warmer as you go to the south. But already at those levels right now across much of the region into the upper 50s to the low 60s. That's pretty much region-wide as warm as the mid-60s into far southeast Nebraska. But yes, very ideal weather over the next several days and actually for the next week and potentially into the first part of next month. Sunshine with slightly above average temperatures for today as some high pressure builds in behind a weak cold front. We are going to see some dry air from those breezy northwest winds increase the fire danger across central and northeast Nebraska. And for this afternoon, central and northeast Nebraska and a red flag warning for high fire danger. Clear skies, light winds, and temperatures remaining above freezing expected for tonight when high pressure does move overhead. Slightly warmer on the temperatures for tomorrow than today with mainly light south winds in behind the passage of a warm front. So if you're doing any spraying, you may want to do it tomorrow. Tomorrow night into Wednesday, rain and thunderstorms a possibility, but mainly over Kansas into southern Nebraska with an area of low pressure that tracks towards Oklahoma. More low pressure moves in for Thursday into Friday. Those chances for rain and thunderstorms, once again, mainly in southern Nebraska into Kansas. A stronger disturbance dives in for another chance of rain and thunderstorms as we head towards Saturday. Now, spring-like weather continuing all the way through the weekend. Mainly above normal temperatures will continue at the coolest. Our temperatures will be seasonal for Friday and Saturday. In our long-term forecast, warmer than normal temperatures remain likely this weekend through the first three days of next month. Could winter be over? This is for Nebraska, Kansas, and the western two-thirds of the U.S., those above normal temperatures. The precipitation outlook begins with near-normal precipitation in Nebraska, Kansas, this weekend through early next week. Then a drier outlook of below-normal precipitation looks very likely the middle of next week through May 3rd. The the lowest soil temperatures at 4 inches down at 7 this morning in north-central and northwest Nebraska in the mid to upper 30s. Most other Nebraska soil temperatures in the low 40s. Then from south-central Nebraska into Kansas, the soil temperatures in the mid to upper 40s. Key weather factors in the market include favorable conditions for field work in the Midwest and dry weather concerns for the Black Sea region and Europe. A fast-moving cold front will result in increasing wind across the western Corn Belt and parts of the northern plains today. Cold air will trail that front into the Midwest and northeast with widespread midweek freezes from the Great Lakes into the northeast. Mid to late week rainfall could become heavy from the central and southern plains into the southeast U.S., extending as far north as the Ohio Valley. The Midwest and northern plains weather, though, with limited rain, will be favorable for field work and planning early on this week. Two systems late in the week and this weekend will slow down that progress. Wheat areas in the southwest plains will remain dry. Some rain this week may help out, but not ease the dryness concerns. 
well below normal temperatures last week for likely damaging to developing wheat. That looks to have some decent weather this week for recovery. Across central and northern Europe, drier weather could start to stress developing wheat this week. Southern Europe will see plentiful rain this week that will help developing to re- reproductive wheat. In the Black Sea region of Ukraine and South Russia, only brief rain is forecast for this week. The winter grains in need of moisture as they move through that development phases earlier than average. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of drier weather, be careful if you're burning today. Don't burn today probably is the best Exactly. Action, yeah, because yeah, uh, a lot of areas of central Nebraska really haven't seen a lot of rain of late. You know, we had that snow last week on Thursday, but the moisture content only maybe about 20 to 30 hundredths worth. And then we, of course, dry out with the winds today. Uh, the rain that didn't move through last time was either trace amounts to a tenth yeah. of an inch. It was, I, I said to you earlier, it was interesting to hear thunder. I hadn't heard it for a while. <laughs> And my wife and I both looked at each other and go, what is that? So I heard about three of them. That was it. It was a little guy. So anyway, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. This is Alex Wojcicki with the Rural Radio Network. Join me every other Thursday for the Angler Entrepreneurship Journey. We hear from entrepreneurs from across the state to learn about their businesses. But more importantly, we learn about their journeys and how they got to where they are today. Interested in entrepreneurship? Join us to learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln every other Thursday at 1219 right here on 880-KRVN. And if you missed the program, you can listen to the podcast at ruralradio.com. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Rebel Seclocha. One Nebraska FFA member has turned her supervised agricultural experience into a business venture that allows families to have access to farm fresh eggs at their convenience. I'm visiting with Maria Cup, a member of the Imperial FFA chapter and founder of Moe's Mobile Coops. To start, tell us about your business and how you got started. My FAE I started two years ago, um, the summer of my freshman year. I bought a couple mobile coops, which are like just chicken coops on wheels um, that you can pull around your yard. And I thought this would be a great um, way to get the community involved with some different aspects of like pets and like agriculture. And it's just a really great thing when they're able to eat farm fresh. What prompted you to start this and then to really pursue it as a business venture? As far as the prompting goes, I really just love being like involved in the community. And um, FFA is just a great opportunity for high schoolers to really get out there when it comes to entrepreneurship and career growth because that's like what it pushes for its members. And so I just was thinking about things that would be beneficial and um, not too difficult for a high schooler to be able to relate and distribute throughout the community. And this was just a fun project that I was excited to hit the ground running and just get going. So tell us about your services, what's included, and then is there any commitment required? Okay, so Moe's Mobile Coops is a business. um, It's a rental poultry business. So what happens is you pay either $60 to $70 a month, depending on how many hens you want with your rental kit, and you get the hens and their eggs and everything that you need to house them. So you get a coop, you get the feeder, water, feed, bedding, everything you need for the duration of your rental period. 
What are some things you tell people when you're promoting your business? So when promoting Moe's Mobile Coops, a big thing that I like to push, especially on social media, is support local. It's really important in the community where we come from. Um, we, I only live in a town of like 2,100 people about. And um, we are small businesses and our local community members and their SAEs are something that's really big in our town just because like we're all neighbors and we all get along and it's just something that we push. Another thing is um, Eat Farm Fresh. Those are the hashtags that I use, Eat Farm Fresh and Support Local. How has this business impacted your view of entrepreneurship? Entrepreneurship has always been really important to me. Um, in the FFA chapter, one of my biggest things is pushing that among the younger members because I love working with people's SAEs and supporting them in their ventures and things like that. But um, entrepreneurship, as far as this business goes, I hope to expand and keep it going at least until I get through college um, in the summers and that kind of a thing. I just, I'm very, uh, I love my customers just because they are what's making this dream happen. And I think that the consumer-producer relationship is really important. Once again, I'm visiting with Maria Cup, a junior at Chase County High School. For more information about Moe's Mobile Coops, you can visit their Facebook and Instagram pages. Broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks. Well, LSU quarterback Joe Burrow is a presumptive first overall pick in the NFL draft, and two more quarterbacks could go in the top ten. Receiver and offensive tackle seem to be the deepest positions in the draft. Half dozen of each could go in the first round, including Alabama pass catchers Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs III. The draft is set to begin on Thursday night. Michael Jordan has been hailed as the greatest basketball player of all time, and his unmatched talents on the court were once again on display in a new documentary series, The Last Dance, that regales his final season with the Bulls. The highly anticipated 10-part ESPN program premiered last night. Included in that episode was never-before-seen footage. The series also follows Jordan during the 1997-98 season and gives a glimpse behind the curtain of the team's dramatic road to the epic final showdown that certainly cemented them as one of the greatest dynasties in sports history. Chapters 1 and 2 were last Last night, originally ESPN had planned to show the series this summer. Well, back in February, 49er fans were devastated after their team surrendered a late fourth quarter lead in the Super Bowl, eventually losing that one to the Chiefs. But as the Wall Street Journal pointed out last week, that loss may have slowed the spread of the coronavirus in California. If there had been a 49ers win, there would have been a big parade, and that parade could have been one of those mass spreading events. Public officials in California have been praised for their response to the pandemic, implementing stay-at-home orders earlier than other areas did. And some health experts are hypothesizing, however, that luck was also a factor. Doctors at the University of California, San Francisco, pointed out that the result of the Super Bowl actually could have been incredibly fortuitous because the first cases of the coronavirus in the United States were just starting to trickle in at that time.
Andrew Bogut is close to making a decision on when to end his career after 15 years in professional basketball. Bogut was planning to retire after playing for Australia at the Tokyo Games this summer. With those games delayed until next year, the 35-year-old is debating whether to wait it out. He says he probably needs to decide by mid-May. Bogut, if you remember, was the 2005 number one draft pick by Milwaukee and won an NBA championship with the Golden State Warriors in 2015. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Nebraska State Patrol Troopers worked a semi-rollover Monday morning on Interstate 80 eastbound near Overton. Both lanes were blocked. The lanes have now been reopened. The Dawson County Sheriff's Office assisted at the scene by directing traffic off of the interstate. No injuries were reported. A towing service was called to remove the semi from the interstate. The mishap occurred about three miles west of Overton at mile marker 245. No information was available on what caused the semi to go on its side. State Treasurer John Moranti says some employees of the office are working remotely, but vital operations are continuing despite the COVID-19 pandemic. Moranti credits his predecessors Don Stenberg and Sean Osborne for coming up with a business continuity plan. It, it slows things down, uh, but unclaimed property is still going out. We're still doing all the cash deposits for the state, so um, our office is fully operational uh, at this time. It's uh, We have a great staff, a great team who have in a very short period of time uh, implemented a business continuity plan to uh, protect the health of of our staff and the people of Nebraska, but also make sure that the important business operations conducted by the Treasurer's Office were maintained. The office maintains a staff of approximately 40 to 50 employees. Maranti says two-thirds of the staff are working remotely. Police in southeastern Nebraska say two young boys who were the subject of an urgent Amber Alert this morning have been found safe in Wichita, Kansas. An Amber Alert was issued this morning in Nebraska for the two boys, ages 7 and 4, who were taken from their hometown, police said. The alert was later extended to Kansas. The police chief, Dan Jacobs, says the man accused of taking the boys was a step-grandparent and was caught and arrested in Wichita after a police chase. Jacob says the boys were found safe in the man's vehicle. The number of coronavirus cases in Nebraska is approaching 1,300, and the number of deaths linked to the virus in the state has grown to 28. The Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services said there were at least 1,287 cases of COVID-19 in the state on Saturday, an increase of 149 from the previous day. Four additional deaths were reported in the state on Saturday, including a man in his 70s and a man in his 80s from Hall County. That county, which is home to Grand Island, continued to lead the state with 395 cases of the coronavirus. Additionally, the Trump administration and Congress expect an agreement Monday on a coronavirus aid package of up to $450 billion. This would assist the small business loan program, which has now run out of money for more COVID-19 testing. For more news anytime, go to krvn.com. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson.
Rely on KRVN for up-to-date information on COVID-19. From closings, the latest governor's press conference, and DHHS virus reports, we'll bring you the facts and latest news on the coronavirus. Visit our coronavirus information tab at krvn.com for up-to-the-minute local and state news and tune in every weeknight at 5 p.m. for a special KRVN this evening. Depend on KRVN to keep you informed on COVID-19. COVID-19 coverage is brought to you by COZAD Community Health. Calling on Congress to boost funding and provide clarity for the Paycheck Protection Program. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. Nebraska Farm Bureau is asking leaders in the U.S. House and Senate to move quickly to boost funding for the Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program. Funding for that forgivable loan program has officially run out. Steve Nelson, president of the Nebraska Farm Bureau, joins us now over the phone to discuss the letter that the organization sent on Friday. There's really two points in the letter that we, or two key points in the letter that we sent uh, to the leadership of both the House and the Senate, uh, all referring to the Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP, through the Small Business Administration. And as most people know now at this point, that program has run out of the initial amount of money that was put in there. And so our first point is to ask Congress to act in order to replenish those funds and make sure that that program is accessible to everyone who qualifies, which certainly includes uh, small businesses uh, like farms and ranches across the state of Nebraska. So we just think it's really important that Congress come back and provide the money necessary to fulfill the commitment that was made to small businesses as it relates to PPP. And then the second piece that we uh, included in the letter regards clarifications as to the information needed or used to determine whether someone qualifies for that program. And so there's been some confusion there. IRS has, or I should say uh, that the Small Business Administration has has used the IRS Schedule C uh, in their description of who qualifies rather than the Schedule F, which most farmers and ranchers uh, file on. And so uh, they're essentially the same thing, except Schedule F just refers to uh, farm and ranch income and expenses. And so we're asking for a clarification there to make sure that sole proprietors who file with the Schedule F are eligible to participate in the program. We we believe that that's been clarified to some degree, but we're asking for, for further and, and very clear uh, clarification on that. Also in the CARES Act, the legislation included, I believe, $100 million, a million dollars, that is, in reconnect grants to help expand access to broadband across rural America. Steve, I know uh, rural broadband is something that the Nebraska Farm Bureau has been working on, as well as the American Farm Bureau Federation. Uh, kind of interesting to see how uh, these students who are having to adjust to uh, educating from home, whether they're uh, in grade school or in college, or, or some of them are, are certainly struggling with the issues that uh, I know you all are working on. Well, that's right, and access to broadband is extremely important. It's an issue we were working on before the coronavirus epidemic hit, and and it points out uh, the need for having uh, good access to technologies in really in every part of our country, in the most rural parts of Nebraska. It's as important as it is in the urban areas uh, anywhere in our country. And so, so this is something that we will need to continue to work on because as we've learned uh, with 
so many people working from home with schools out and and students learning from home, access to, to broadband services to, to all of those technologies is just critical. Uh, we've known it's been critical for, for business to function for a long time, and it's been critical for agriculture, but this is certainly pointing out that there, that there's critical need everywhere. Uh, and, and so we really do need to address the, the continue to address the broadband issue. So appreciate the fact that there's some money in there, but but uh, it will take a lot more money than that to to accomplish what really needs to happen. Steve, uh, the Nebraska Farm Bureau has been busy responding to a lot of questions that have come up with uh, the CARES Act and other things uh, amid this ongoing pandemic. Have there been any questions or things brought up that surprise you from the membership of the Nebraska Farm Bureau, maybe some concerns that you weren't thinking about before? Well, I'm not sure. I, I think that uh, a lot of the concerns, you know, have been out there and, and, uh, and continue uh, to be there, I think one of the things that that uh, you know we've kind of talked about from the beginning of of, of this whole uh, COVID nineteen issue is the importance of keeping processing plants open, and we've seen in some of our surrounding states some issues related to plant closures. The industry, the the livestock production industry, and the meat production industry has been extraordinarily disrupted because of, of how people are, are living and their buying habits have changed here. And certainly if we if we have uh, further disruption in processing, that makes the problem even worse, both from the producer aspect of it with, con, you know, continuing depressed prices and the inability of to move uh, market-ready livestock, and it affects the consumer because it, the 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 lack of ability for the processors and distributors to get uh, what consumers want on the grocery shelves. Steve Nelson, president of the Nebraska Farm Bureau, joining us over the phone. Steve, as always, we appreciate your time today. Thank you very much, Bryce. Anytime. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network. With the business report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are falling and trading on Wall Street as energy stocks get hammered by the latest collapse in the price of oil. This morning's losses have eaten into some of the big gains the market has made since late March, driven lately by investors looking ahead to parts of the economy possibly reopening as COVID-19 infections level off in hard-hit areas. Benchmark U.S. crude oil for June delivery plunged 9% to $22.75 per barrel, as of 9.45 a.m. Eastern Time. Oil for delivery in May cratered by an even wider margin, down 34% to just $12. Earlier in the morning, it touched its lowest price since 1998. The contract for oil delivery in May is close to expiring, so trading is much more active in the June contract. Volvo Cars is restarting production at its plant in Sweden today after talks with trade unions. The company also is reopening a plant in Belgium, but it reduced production output. Denmark took another small step toward reopening society when hair salons, dentists, physiotherapists, tattoo parlors, and driving schools, among others, were allowed to reopen. Some shops are reopening in much of Germany. 
Dutch healthcare equipment maker Philips says orders at its unit that makes machines such as ventilators and patient monitors jumped 23% in the first quarter. However, the company's net profit was hit hard as demand for other items like personal health care products slumped. Philips is investing more than 100 million euros to steeply ramp up their production volumes of the machines that are vital in treating critically ill COVID-19 patients. Ten years ago today, a well blew up under a VP oil platform in the Gulf of Mexico, killing 11 workers. The blast touched off the nation's worst offshore oil spill, spewing millions of gallons of crude into the blue water of the Gulf. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. In today's fast-paced world of agriculture, producers need accurate market information they can trust. Sometimes you just want to know the whys of the day's markets. And our program, The Fontenelle Final Bell, gives you the chance to ask the marketing experts. I'm Susan Littlefield with the Rural Radio Network. Join us for The Fontenelle Final Bell, Monday through Friday, as we dig deeper into the factors that shape the day's market activity. The Fontenelle Final Bell, weekdays at 217, right here on Rural Radio 880 Alex Wachowski reporting on the Rural Radio Network, and I'm joined on the phone with Laura Thompson. She's a Nebraska Extension educator, and she also coordinates the Nebraska On-Farm Research Program, as we're going to be highlighting some of the 2019 results. So, Laura, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Well, let's start out. uh, Give us kind of a broad overview of the program in general. Yeah, so the Nebraska On-Farm Research Network Uh, is really a network of farmers who are conducting their own on-farm research studies, working in collaboration with Nebraska Extension. They use their own equipment. Um, It's really a great way for them to get reliable information that's local, um, relevant to their geography, to their farming operation. As you were kind of evaluating all of those studies once they were conducted, was there anything that really stuck out to you from last year? Yeah, so there's, you know, tons of great information in there. Um, a couple that have been interesting to people are some of the nitrogen management studies on corn. Some of those that I mentioned, looking at how to use crop canopy sensors to direct in-season nitrogen management. That research has typically in the past few years been done on irrigated corn, but we've expanded that to include non-irrigated fields as well. Um, and so over the last five years, by using that crop canopy sensor technology, Producers were able to save about 40 pounds of nitrogen per acre on average by using that technology. And you mentioned that all of these studies are conducted by real farmers across Nebraska. Are there opportunities to get involved in this research? Yeah, definitely. So we're continuing to work with farmers in the 2020 growing season. There's opportunities for producers to evaluate any question that they're interested in. Um, There's also some specific projects, such as the uh, crop canopy sensor project that I mentioned. And we also have other studies looking at um, things like the best management practices for soybeans, things like what planting date, seeding rate, and use of foliar fungicide and insecticides um, might help best manage soybeans for optimal yield and profit. So that's a study that's been done in the last year we had several looking at that and we're looking for more in eastern Nebraska to participate in that study as well. Um, On average, 
they had an eight bushel per acre yield increase and $46 per acre profit increase when they looked at these improved practices for planting date and seeding rate and fungicide and insecticide application. So if people are interested in that one in particular, we're looking for more cooperators too. But really, it's it's very wide open on topics and we're, we're interested in looking at whatever farmers are finding important for their own farm operation. And all of this information, if I'm correct, is now available online. Where is the best way to access that? Yeah, so there's a couple of places we've made it available online. One option is to just download a PDF copy of the research results book. We also have some more interactive ways that people can access the results, though, too. Um, our results finder tool lets people search our entire database of over 900 studies that have been conducted from 1992 present. And in that tool, you could search by a topic, or maybe you just want to see what's been done in the county surrounding you, so you could search by geography and just kind of look at all different topics in that area. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We have been visiting with Laura Thompson. She's an extension educator, and she coordinates the on-farm research program. And if you're interested in learning about more of those results, they are holding webinars every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m., and you can find them by going to cropwatch.unl.edu backslash farm research. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Network. I'm talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, something historic and unprecedented right now in the May crude oil contract that's going into delivery down, ele- down to a negative 11.42. What does this signal? What does this precedent for now for the grains? Yeah, I don't even know quite how to handle this. I'm trying to wrap my brain around it. Basically right now I think what you're seeing is this it's the equivalent of like, I, I don't I don't go to Lincoln much, but and Lincoln's a bigger town. But when you have Cornhusker games in Lincoln, I imagine the hotel rooms skyrocket in price because there isn't enough room for everybody to stay there. Same analogy is applying. Now, instead of going up in price, it's going down in price. There isn't enough room for all this crude oil that is looking for a home with no place to go. It's not being used, so it's not storing. Crude oil, unlike like cattle, you can just let it walk away. I mean, if it got to the point where it was free, you can just let it open your pen door and let it walk away. I mean, that that's possible at least. But crude oil, like, you can't, you have to put it somewhere. So at this point right now, it looks like just to store crude over a month, for a one-month period between now and the June delivery, looks like about $1,000 per day on a five on a 1000 barrel contract. So $1 per day is what it costs to store crude oil. The same deal could apply here in the short term. So I'm not, I'm not trying to be alarmist, but when we get into delivery and all these bushels are looking for home, I mean, I don't know how cheap we get. It could go to three bucks, it could go to two ninety. I, I don't know. But at some point, the market will find a place for the grain, but it's only going to be at a certain price. So I'm not really familiar with the storage situation of the country, um, but that's something that I think we have to be prepared for. Um, so again, if you have to sell corn here in the short run, I think I just sell it and um, either reown it with a May a cheap June call option or something like that that could help. But uh, this is very very scary price action in the crude that I think is pointing towards cheap prices in the grains at least over the next week, ten days when we have uh, delivery upon us. 
Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing and Chicago Publisher of the newsletter this week. And great, it may be the time to think about looking at these newsletters and continuing to keep up with very up-to-the-date markets when we see big swings like we do today. Their website's danielsagmarketing.com. Again, danielsagmarketing.com. And in the closing grain markets, we're split. We see corn five and a quarter lower on the December 2021 contract to eight lower on the May 2020 contract. We did uh, close near a good level of support at 314 and a quarter, but a lot of price today weather story still really big here for the may uh, for the week contracts as they'll end in double digit gain territory you're listening to the rural radio network and that'll wrap up today's midday program here on krvn to hear today's midday program in podcast form go to podcast at krvn.com or by subscribing on Spotify or iTunes. Our midday podcast is sponsored by Davini Mo. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Davini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to Davini Chrysler Jeep Dodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.